I want the fairy tale. I want the Prince Charming. She, how do I put this, isn't a fan of my kissing style. So we were boyfriend and girlfriend for about 12 hours. He's in a trash bin. He's non-recyclable. Catch you never. I love being in love. I love love. On today's episode of Where's Your Head At, we are sitting down with Julian Morrow, founder and CEO of Morrow Accountants, to chat all things finance, tax, and when to talk money with your partner. Look, money certainly does play a part in relationships, so we can't wait to ask Julian the hard-hitting questions such as when to start talking money with your partner. He will also share his best tax tips and how to handle debt. Stay tuned. Where's Your Head At is a podcast that talks all things relationships, breakups, reality TV, trending shows, and everything in between. This is your new go-to destination for laughs, gossip, intimate details, advice, and much more. Hey, Julian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning and welcome. We know that this is your busiest time of year, so we are very grateful to have you on to give everyone all of the all of the money tips. I'm not the best with my finances, as you know, being my accountant. Matt, would you say you're good with finances? Um, I have gotten better in recent years. Yeah. I was very poor in my like early twenties, like. I sucked. And uh, would you lie. say that you've gotten better over uh, over the years, or still a learning process? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what would a lot you of say? Jokes. There's a lot of inside jokes. Yeah. No, no. Look, uh, you're you're getting better, but like like everyone, it's a, it is a learning thing. It's not something you learn in school. So yeah. naturally, that's why it makes sense to talk about, it, especially at this time of the year where it's at everyone's forefront of the mind as well. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I would feel that Anna would be pretty terrible and it'd be really, as an accountant, it would be stuck Yeah, everywhere. I'm like an accountant's worst nightmare and I totally hold my hands up and admit that. And if you're listening to this episode and you also feel that you're not good with finances, this is the episode to listen to because Julian just really simplifies things. He makes it easy. He makes it fun. And uh, I mean... Uh, Anna <laughs> called me a couple of weeks ago and was like... Hey, do you remember when we bought the the new phones? And I was like, "What? Do you remember that? You were trying to figure out the date." Yeah, because Julian was asking me what. I was probably. Yeah, (laughs) I would have been hassling Anna for some kind of record keeping that that wasn't done properly, but. I'm sure we got there in the end, didn't we, Anna? Yeah. But do you know what's interesting is like once I buy something, it just does not like it doesn't cross my mind ever again. Like mm. I was asking Matt, like, what did I buy at this time of year? And you That's were like, right. you bought an iPhone. That's and I was right. like, did yeah. I? Yeah. How would we how would how would you remember that? I remember because it was <laughs> yeah. like the JB. Yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. So let's jump in. What are some good top tips for the end of financial year, Julian? Funnily enough, I almost reckon it's it's like it gets into the financial year. So it's almost planning for the new financial year, as weird as that sounds. So people are always thinking thinking backwards. So maybe it's like what didn't work this year, right? Because yeah. like you said, Anna, you're, all, you're already behind the eight ball. So it's like what can I do differently for the next year? I like um, And as boring as it sounds, a lot of it is the record keeping. So finding yeah. a system that works, whether it's the ATO deductions app, whether it's like a Dropbox where you just chuck receipts as you go, could be something more fancy like, you know, your accounting programs, zero, all that could be as basic as a spreadsheet. But yeah. I think it's really just having something because that's the basis of everything that goes to the accountant. So without that, you're already kind of like chasing your tail a little bit. 
I put all my receipts in just a Ziploc bag. Just put them in a bit of my wardrobe. Just put that hand in my account. And at the end when, of- when I was moving house, like very recently, I actually found this box that my dad told me to keep the accountants, but they're like from 2019. I'm surprised the ink is still actually visible, if at all. I don't know if you went through that process. On the receipt, yeah. I was just going to say, so obviously I still have a hex debt and a lot of people around Australia still have a hex debt. What are your thoughts on the increase in the indexation rates? That was a bit rough, wasn't it, the... uh the hike um and i i I can see from both perspectives so i read an interesting article the other day and the way that they worded it and this is on the side of the government for example right i'm on the fence it is what it is but (laughs) they pretty much said let's just say you've got a, a 10 grand hex debt and you know it takes you whatever 10 years to pay it back and by the time you pay it back that 10 grand right because of inflation is only worth eight thousand dollars right so there's a two thousand dollar gap that the government wants to still collect on their money so what they would usually do is if they don't do this indexation thing for inflation they'd probably try and get that money through say increasing taxes so indirectly it's going to come back to us as the taxpayers to kind of put that that short you know little little bit of the hex debt so that's kind of you know bringing it forward in terms of does it make sense like yes based on you know what inflation is and all of that do we like it definitely not Mm. um and can we do anything about it not really so (laughs) what are your thoughts on it i was pissed like i was kind of like I mean, number one, I was so, I didn't even want to go to uni. I was basically forced into it by teachers, parents, and all of the above. Didn't yeah. had no idea what I wanted to do. Basically, did like a two year course. Did uh, you stay there for two years? Yeah, I, I have oh, like a full load next I did step. six months. Props, props <laughs> to Anna. That's a solid solid time for someone that didn't want to do it in the first place. Well, I, do you know what's interesting I though? I did want to do it. I kind of use all of the, like I started with media communications, which I technically use everything I did for that. Then I moved into PR, still mm, use brilliant. that. So, I mean, it technically didn't go to waste. I do use it in my everyday life, but also still annoying. And I think the the bigger the hex step, the more it really like implicated you. For instance, like a friend of mine, he was about to buy a house and because he had such a huge lump sum, it was going up like dramatically and he then couldn't buy a house because he was like, I need to put the money into paying off the hex debt so I don't get like, you know. It's... It's kind of a catch twenty two. So mm. you want to you want to pay it off, but you want that money for a house deposit. Yeah. With the hex debt, the bank um, you know has a lower borrowing power. So because you've got this hex debt, they won't give you as much of a loan. So you know it's also just like constantly there to deal with. Um, yeah. But yeah, the more you make, you start to learn that they really claw that money back real quick once you once you're on. Yeah. Um, For someone who hates talking about finances, like maybe grew up in a house where, you know, talking about money was a bit, you know, a taboo topic. And then Mm. what are some ways for them to, um, to deal with their finances and maybe be more better with it with an accountant, something like that and get on top of it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I find a lot of our clients that actually come to us because it is a younger demographic do come from that background. So they've buried their head in the sand. They don't want to deal with it. It's quite frightening. So 
I think it's it's one probably finding a a professional that you can relate with. I suppose yeah. accountants, financial planners, mortgage brokers, generally it can be quite daunting and intimidating. Nowadays there are you know younger practitioners out there, so maybe one it's just aligning with someone that you can listen to and not feel intimidated by. And then maybe it's even doing your own research initially. So, you know, you feel like you're going into the conversation with, with something. There's so many podcasts out there. There's, you know, reading you can do online. There's endless amounts of information. So like anything, I think knowledge is power, you know, empower yourself, learn some things, and then align yourself with the right people, which I think, you know, it's like anything in life. You can't avoid tax. You can't avoid a lot of this finance stuff as you grow up. So the quicker you get a handle on it, and get some le- level of comfort, I think the better it is for everyone. Yeah, I used to definitely put my head in the sand with all things money and tax. I just didn't want to deal with it. I was like, that's a future me problem. But then I was like, nope, it's still there. I <laughs> the problem's of, still there. <laughs> I sort of would think about it and then like get like anxious and then I'd talk to my accountant and then she'd tell me a bunch of stuff and it would just go in one ear coming out the other. And I'd be like, <laughs> it sounds like you know what you're talking about, so I'll leave it with you. But it, it, what Julian said is completely accurate. Like, I think because you're younger, it kind of makes Mm. me feel a bit more comfortable. It's just like, you know, roughly around the same age. I can just have like a normal chat with Julian. And I think if you don't want to deal with tax, having a good accountant is key really because then it's like, okay, you can help me sort all of this thing that I just don't get. (laughs) And as much as, you know, I I love that that method, the whole like handball to the accountant, Adam will know. I I try and like drill a bit of education into clients. So they are still at least learning as they go and getting better. Yeah. Where the professionals will do all the nitty gritty, but at least, you know, over time you understand what's going on because I think that's a missing piece of the equation as well. People just pay people to do things, but it's like, hey, let's understand what's going on at the same time. Absolutely. Make your job easier as well, I would assume. Correct. You explain, you have to explain things <laughs> as, many, as many times. Anna and I are still on this journey. It's all. <laughs> We're still at the start of our journey. <laughs> <laughs> Three years in. <laughs> yeah. What are some like handy tips for someone who's maybe in debt and they don't know how to kind of claw their way out of it or maybe they feel embarrassed to go to an accountant or, you know, there's no judgment, right? No, not at all. So I suppose when you talk about debt, it's like, you know, is it ATO debt? Is it credit card debt and all that kind of stuff? So I think anything ATO related, people kind of freak out. But I always pretense it with if you've got something to pay, the HO really aren't scary. They're open to payment plans. Like they do two, three years, no questions asked, and they can do longer than that as well. So I think it's just being open, being realistic. In terms of other debts, I think that's a more kind of holistic thing to look at. So, you know, can you consolidate debts? Can you, um, you know, get lower interest rates? Do you have a credit card? Do you actually need a credit card? Like Mm -hmm. all these little things, even though small in nature, after pay credit cards, car loans, hex debts, after a while, it can feel quite overwhelming when you've got all these things lingering over it. So I think it's kind of, yeah, getting it all together and trying to make a little plan. Yeah. What I did with my credit card, I um, obviously like a lot of kids when you went, when you were younger overseas, you um, got Mm. a credit card to like help you through it. I eventually ended up just like cutting it up and putting it away so I didn't couldn't use it when I got back because I found myself like... <laughs> did time I did a, not trust yourself. Yeah, every time I made a payment on it and you know, you go through like um, Coles for your grocery shop and like I had my money on my actual account but for some reason yeah. I was like, I'll use my credit card because there's less of a chance of it like declining with this cute girl. <laughs> so I would tap that and then yeah, so eventually I was like, no, nah, I got rid of it and just yeah, 
And you know, I think that's also like afterpay. You know what I mean? You might actually have the money, but because you're presented with the option of afterpay, you're just like, why would I pay my money or use their money and pay it off slowly? Yeah. Um, which I don't necessarily agree with. Sometimes I feel like if you if you've got the money. You, you know, use it. If you don't have the money, why are you buying it? Maybe you wait out a little bit longer. Absolutely. Um, on your means. Yeah, 100%. There's like two types of people though in the world, right? There's people who love a credit card and then there's people like me who I've never had a credit card in my life. I'm scared of it. My parents have like drilled it into me, like never get a credit card, yeah, you'll well. be in debt. But I've yeah. now somehow realized, I think through TikTok, maybe through Julian, that actually credit cards can be beneficial. Can you explain to us how credit cards are beneficial? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because it really must be TikTok or maybe it's just like something that's <laughs> gone on because all of a sudden I am seeing everyone talking about credit cards and I'm like, what, what's happened recently? But yeah. in short, I think the thing that excites people is about the rewards points, whether that's like when you sign on to a credit card, they give you a bunch of points, or when you spend, you get kind of credit card points you can eventually use for flights and, you know, vouchers and things like that. So in its simplest form, as long as you're paying the credit card off you know, straight away or you're not forgetting to, mm. you're not disadvantaged by using the credit card and you get the points as a, you know, extra little reward or so to speak. Sometimes people get a bit, carried away with that and you've got to kind of remember that you do also pay annual credit card fees and, and all that kind of stuff but there are definitely bargains out there to be had by joining up to a credit card they give you a bunch of sign-on points and as long as you're good with your money and you remember to make the payments to the credit card and you're not actually using it to live on your means like matt said then you can actually get ahead from that point side of things um, speaking of points because we talked about this on the podcast the other day do you want to ask julian this is your time to <laughs> what yeah what's the best credit card for the best point system yeah uh, yeah what's well i uh, uh, my credit you tell me of the one well the one i was telling you about before um <laughs> my bank ended up sending me a an email saying i had x amount of points to use from when i used to use my credit card but i was telling yeah. you about before and i went on to like the link and i followed the link Ended up only being a $10 Amazon gift voucher <laughs> for like yeah. all these points. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'll leave Na- that. Nat- naturally, I feel like your bank's only going to promote their, their product, yeah. um, which, is, yeah. which is fair. I almost feel like you need a degree in credit cards because there are so many things to consider. So it's like, what's the annual fee? What's the sign-on bonus? How many points do you get per dollar you spend? And they're all constantly, you know, running promotions and competing against each other. So it's I almost suggest going to like those compare websites, putting in how much you're going to spend, what's applicable, and it'll just spit out kind of who's got the best sign-on promotion, who's got the cheapest rates, how many, how many points do you get, and going with that because I don't think there's one kind of like this card is the is the the goat and then you go with that when i was younger or when i was growing up my my parents would say get a credit card pay like a bill on it and then pay it off straight away so your credit score is high is there any truth in that or is that an urban legend (laughs) no no the parents are onto something it's um the, the credit score is an interesting one so some people think like they should get one purely because they need a credit score or like they want to eventually buy a home and without a credit card it won't work so We've done home loans for clients and they've never had any form of debt Me. at all. And oh, they just got the home debt. loan happy days, <laughs> right? Sorry, I thought you were going to say we've done home loans for people who don't have a credit card. And I was like, me. And then you said debt. And I was like, oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> got some other debts over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you don't necessarily need those things to, you know, be able to get home loans and all that kind of stuff. But it can just build a bit of 
street cred in the bank world to yeah. show that you've got some repayment history, like there's something that's lodged on your file. But obviously it works on the flip side. If you stuff up and have late repayments, then they're like, you know, they see that when you go for, for home loans and then you just got to explain it. So yeah. as long as you're on top of it, it can help you, but you can also get ahead without it as well. What's a, good, what I've cred- seen. What's a good credit score? Mate, to be honest, the credit scores, I don't, I don't like do credit scores. So when we oh, okay. so do a home loan, right, yeah. the banks kind of have their system. So I think from memory, it's like a thousand to maybe 1200, depending on what system you go with in terms of like the best. But yeah, okay. you'll um. I just yeah, checked sure. mine the other day. So I thought I may as well. What did you get? Is that is that worth disclosing on, uh, on end? <laughs> yeah, what, what did you get? It was out of a thousand and I got 898. No, that's good. Yeah, that's like that's like an, a very good to excellent kind of range, mate. So I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'm, any banks listening? I'm ready for a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. Obviously, inflation is such a big topic at the moment. How do mm. people save when inflation is just feels like it's going up and up and up? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think. You know, with savings, it's kind of like increase income or decrease expenses. That's that's how I look at, you know, when I'm talking to businesses and increasing profit, like they're the they're your two options. So obviously increasing income is hard when you're with an employer and you can't get a pay rise and all those types of things. So I do, you know, I'm sure you guys see it more often these days, see people doing the side gigs, doing little online jobs, contracting, gig economy, selling clothing, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like just tapping into any kind of passive source of income um, is definitely going to help. Mm. Two, it's probably the the boring side of it, which is kind of prioritizing and almost just like being more accountable. So even though it sounds really kind of like, I can't say because my income's not going up, maybe there's still room for you to, you know, maximize your spending. So once a month, sit down, have a suss, see where you're spending on. You might have subscriptions that you're paying for that you don't actually use anymore. Mm. Electricity's all gone up from the 1st of July. Maybe you're not on the best package anymore. Yeah. Health insurance, car insurance, just like so many things that we just subscribe to and just like set and forget. It's probably like do a review of everything and see where there's room to save. Mm. I reckon getting rid of Uber Eats, I would save so much money. Yeah, you would use it so much. <laughs> I don't, I refuse to pay delivery. <laughs> Julian has seen how much I use. I don't know if you would remember because you've probably done everyone's tax. So I've my Uber Eats is out of control. I, yeah, I just refuse to pay yeah. delivery. I am like an independent. I can't react when I see people's bank accounts, but every now and then I'm like, it's a lot of Uber Eats. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it, I spoke because I'm. That's me. I, um, I, it's it's something I really want to like cut out. Get better at. Yeah. yeah. Delete the app. Right now, yeah. should I do it right now? <laughs> yeah, but the way it works with the app, as soon as you reinstall it, like it's got all your history there. They make it really easy for you just to jump back on board. They know what I like. They give me discounts. They said when when I haven't ordered like dinner, they like at, at dinner time at like five o'clock just before they send me a little notification to remind me they're there. I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. You, you, you must be like a premium spender, Anna. That can't be a good thing. To yeah, get I know. Devices. I've got like the what is it? The Uber rewards thing or something where you spend $10 and then it gives you discounts and then you actually end up saving. It's bad. I'm a sucker for a rewards program. So don't tell me that. Just like that $10. On that, my mate, I was speaking to my mate because I was obviously looking at getting in the property market as Anna recently did. Mm. And I was like, he owns three properties. And I was like, how, like, what do you, how, like, give me some advice. And he just said, the best thing I can say is just go without. He was like, you know, know, like make sacrifices 
like when you're prioritize. Saving. Yeah, correct. I think like like anything, whether it's business, property, work, like we, I think we see online all these success stories, like zero to a hundred people just buying properties, but there usually is like a real hustle behind it. So in the instance of what we're saying, inflation, and you're like, I can't get any more income. It's like, yeah, go without, prioritize what don't you need so you can get into something like the property market and yeah, enjoy that space. Yeah, the only vice I have now is coffees. That's the only thing that I'm... I'm not going without lattes. So everything yeah, else, yeah, yeah. like, you know, going random trips to the shops and buying clothes, cut that out, you know. Walking. How many coffees a day, Matt? How many? I'd have between four yeah. to five. Okay. So at four bucks, at four bucks a pop. Well, I get soy milk. Bucks. So it's five at and least. And it's normally a medium. So it's, that's, a, yeah. that's about, that's about eight fifty in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. literally yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, so that, that's a big vice. That's a big vice. It is. But it, you know, it's better than buying. Like I used to go to the shops every weekend and buy. I told you you should get the satchels. Yeah, you did. I should probably do that. But like I said, I was, I'd yeah. go to the shops, buy a new like Ralph Ren or Tommy shirt for like 150, then go to the bar and spend God a competent amount of money. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, you know, yeah. saving my coin. Just buying coffee, saving coin. Like yes. <laughs> buying coffee, saving coin out here. He's a change man. He's a you change can take man. anything from should, me, but not my coffee. You should, <laughs> should my... put that on a t-shirt. That's, yeah. a, that's a great little slogan. <laughs> what age are you seeing people now getting into the property market? There's been a real shift mm. in people buying houses just because it's yeah. so, so expensive. I um, look, To be honest, I think, 30 or like early 30s is kind of what I'm seeing and it's not like no one's shocked about it no one's embarrassed about it it's kind of the norm I still deal with people that are buying like in their mid to early 20s late 20s sorry but once again it could just be you know the deposit is usually the hardest part of a home loan so people could be in a good job by the time they're they're late in late 20s but they haven't saved the deposit so you get people that have kind of family guarantors or inheritances which are always going to kind of get them there earlier Um, but otherwise for people that are paying rent and you know still living their life traveling and all that kind of stuff I feel like you're prioritizing all your savings so you know 30s kind of what I've seen and there's just still so like a lot of uncertainty out there you know interest rates house prices so I think it all contributes to people's kind of appetite for it as well Mm, yeah matt's like matt has a deposit but he's worried about the repayments do you have any advice Mm. from matt (laughs) what are you what are you actually worried about matt just in terms of like yeah like i went and looked online the other day at real estate and i was looking and it gives you like you know the calculated amount and i was just like you know looking through that and i was sort of like well it was only a couple of hundred bucks more than when i was paying rent paying rent yeah for sure yeah so i was sort of like i can do it but I don't know, commitment sort of gives me the G. It's just, yeah. <laughs> what I tell people is the bank isn't going to lend someone the money if they can't afford it because people yeah. are like, oh, will I be able to afford it? So the bank's only going to give you what you can afford anyway and they already build in a buffer like to, 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 to reduce what you're paying. So if the bank's comfortable doing it, it's then just a bit of a mentality thing. And I think until you get the, the home loan and in that mindset, you're always not going to be 100% ready for it but once you're in i think you just kind of learn to deal and you just kind of it's just really adulting 101 i think it's yeah. just scary having that loan over your head yeah but yeah it's all part and then of it's it. like it's like well do i want to do that or do i want to you know take off to europe and not come back for <laughs> <laughs> for an extended amount of time and live like you know like a king yeah live like king. so it's sort of like what do i do but yeah, it's, yeah, if something if something I like comes along, I'll um, definitely look into it. 
Okay, yeah, well, we've yeah. got some great advice from Julian. We are going to come back in a moment and talk all things money in relationships. Okay, Julian, so when is the best time to start talking about money with your partner? Because this one is like an icky mm. one. People get a bit weird about this one. Obviously not first date. <laughs> no. I mean, it'd be a good story down the track if it works out. <laughs> what did you guys talk about? Um, <laughs> look, I don't, I don't think there's a there's a wrong or right. I also feel like there's like little milestones that'll force you to talk about it even if you don't want to. Yeah. So, you know, for example, it's like, do you want to start renting together, move in together? Are you going on a trip? Is it serious, you know, to the point where you're talking about buying a house together? And naturally, you just can't not talk about it. So I feel like it's fine initially. You don't like, hey, like, what do you make? What do you do? That's a bit weird. But eventually, like, as you guys start to do things as a unit, I feel like it's going to all start start coming up. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you, like, in, in prior dating... On what side of the fence were you? Open, pretty hesitant. I'm pretty open. I never talked yeah. about it ever. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be pretty open. I'd have nothing to really hide. A lot of uh, each one of my exes have actually, um, how do I say, like not helped me financially, but helped me mentally get better saving and yeah. helped me yeah. like like my most recent ex. She was very like. She like got savvy. Me, savvy, got me onto like a new bank to save put yeah. my money in. The one before that helped me pay off my debts and like you know save up a bit of coin. Like yeah, yeah so it's so not it's not all doom and gloom. You know, yeah, I, mean, I think we always think <laughs> in the bad side. Like I'm opening myself up, I'm vulnerable, you know, with my finances. But the flip side is they come in from a different perspective, have their own situation that can help you as well. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting though. Like I kind of roughly knew what Michael was making, but it wasn't until we got the home loan that I actually saw everything, everything laid out. Like it was, it's the first time I've ever seen that from any of my ex-boyfriends. I mean, yeah. any partner. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, this is like, I felt like I was kind of like- Intruding. Intruding on his privacy yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think when you go down the path of a home loan, everything's on the table because yeah. the banks will pull out everything. So, yeah. and also that could be like the cause of, some arguments amongst couples. Like, for example, if you have debts that they didn't know about and that's an added stress on the relationship and then it all kind of comes out at that point in time. So yeah. then it raises the question, like, when should I actually tell them about it as well? Yeah, because I've seen a lot of things like that saying, like, a lot of the times the reason why couples break up is due to finances. Mm. Yeah, I think it's financial stress and even just, like, the trust element of it. So if you think about it, if one person in a relationship is, you know, making big purchases without telling the other one, well, that's yeah. going to be a shit show. If they've got accounts or debts that they're not disclosing with the other person, once again, it becomes like a trust thing. So I feel like it's really, you know, heavy in relationships. And then obviously just like financial stress and is there an imbalance in the relationship as well from a financial yeah. perspective, even though you don't want that to be, you know, part of the relationship at the end of the day it's forced upon you so is, you know you've got yeah. scenarios where one person's earning a lot one person might not be earning as much like what does that do for the the couple's dynamics how do they kind of balance that out and make sure no one feels guilty like it's pretty complex what do you think like let's just say if you're renting with your partner and one person's earning like double the other person how does yeah. that go with like rent paying should the person who's earning double be paying more rent like how do you think it kind of works or should it all be 50 50 
Yeah, that's good. Um, that's a good question is what I mean. So mm-hmm. I feel like you can't force the, the person that's making more to, to pay more. Yeah. I think you're, you're almost going to have the conversation before you move into the place because okay. otherwise yeah. that could lead to disaster because if they don't agree, you can't it's just assume. But if you want it to be like accounting and be like, let's do it as a proportion of what you earn, that makes sense on paper. But relationship and personally what you know it could be a different scenario so yeah i think yeah it's everything really has to be presumed 50 50 unless you have the chat to be like are they comfortable paying more because they make more i'd prefer to pay 50 50 i think Same. just because I, I would feel a bit like uncomfortable even if my partner was earning more to be like make do you know I, what I, mean? I agree as well i think that it, yeah. it saves any um not resentment but like I reckon any, resentment. Is, yeah <laughs> Resentment, that resentment's or like, the word, 100%. or like control over the like you know you not financial control, control. Yeah, financial control everything it just keeps it very yeah. like do you know what I mean down the line yeah, yeah no, no I agree no gray area on that yeah. though um, first dates who pays Ooh. man or girl. <laughs> So what you do is you pull out your pay slips at the table and you you look at them. Um, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Who's earning more this week? Yeah. I I think, I reckon you go down just the path of whoever organizes it, I reckon they can run with doing the first date. Yeah. Um, But obviously, like, I think everyone's pretty mature these days. Actually, I don't know, dating world. But (laughs) after a few dates, I think it's like an open chat. Like, it's fine if you split it. It's fine if someone gets one, you get the next one. Like, it's that kind of thing. But, yeah, for the first one, I reckon whoever organizes it, just sort it out. And then someone picks up the drink. That's why I never organize a first date. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great tactic. um, I think, yeah, I agree. I agree. Whoever pays the main bill, the other person picks up. You know, a drink afterwards or ice yeah, cream like or something like that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you still do, you know, you still offer to pay. I still think that's nice. You don't go in with like the expectation the of like dance. Their... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, don't, I'm, I'm over that. Don't even bother with that for me. No, you have to do the stretch. <laughs> you need to stretch for the wallet. Otherwise they're like. The old like, oh, I, oh, you know, like I can get it. But then their arms like this. Little... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sweaty palms. Yeah. Do you think it's wise to keep bank accounts separate when you're in a relationship or is there a time that comes where you should merge? I think you can have the best of both. I think you can still have like joint accounts. So like you have joint goals, savings, et cetera, but then you've still got kind of your personal accounts that you you know live through to some extent. So yeah. I think it's pretty complex in terms of like what you're both spending on. It could be like you've got a, and this is kind of getting more into like not really a relationship, more like a marriage or something quite serious where you've got, you know, you work out your savings goal and then you've both got a discretionary spend per week and then maybe that's what goes through your personal accounts. Yeah. Um, but like anything, I think it's just communication. You're both on the same page. There's no wrong or right, but definitely you can still have personal bank accounts. Everything doesn't have to be joint from the get-go. Ideally, yeah. you'd want a savings account that you have like holiday savings and you have a bills one. Then you yep. have the one that you pay the mortgage in and you transfer to that. And then whatever yep. you have left over, like you have a agreed amount that you both transfer, whatever's left over, free game. Is yours. Yeah, is yours, <laughs> yeah. free game, yeah. 
If you want to get Except five coffees I- a day, it's fine. <laughs> you can spend that. <laughs> I reckon that I reckon that works unless you get into that situation, Matt, where one person's earning double, so then they've got this massive excess per week. <laughs> and they're just like, well, this is this is good to spend, isn't it? Because that's the situation. That's yeah. Well, then you'd ref- you'd go back and reflect on a percentage <laughs> of your pay so you'd make it. <laughs> Good, good. What issues can arise if you do share a bank account? Like, let's just say you split up. How does that all yeah. kind of unravel? Look, I don't know. Like, from, from a legal perspective, I think that is like a law question. But I think yeah. if it's in a bank account, there is still somewhat of an accountability. Like, like, you can see who's pulled the money out. Like, if there's debts, like, you're both liable for them. It doesn't just fall into one person's, you know, lap. But in short, I haven't seen that too much so i don't actually know it is a little bit scary like you hear yeah. about horror stories of people taking all the money or just like financial blackmail and all that kind of stuff so it's a very legal yeah. question I, but is, like financial yeah. control is such a scary thing in a relationship and i think like it like you do see it like a little bit around well, i I've have it done to me have you when my ex <laughs> used to like you know pay yeah. for everything and then she'd like give me a card and it would notify her and then if I go into the shops and I'd pay with my money, she'd be like, why don't you use my car? Yeah, she'd get annoyed. She'd that's be- right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I would say that's called like living the high life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll look, I wasn't Depends complaining. Depends how you want to look at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. What's that? A $500 totally ASOS order for me? What? Don't be bad when you break up. But while he was in it, he was loving it. <laughs> yeah, I was loving life. Yeah, I don't. I've got and then, sugar and then he gets out of the relationship and he's like, I was financially controlled. <laughs> she made me use all of her money. <laughs> Against my will. <laughs> I've saved all this money, but she made me spend It's too good. What about if, let's just say, this is not, I'm not asking this personally, but I just thought it would be an yeah. interesting question. If you buy a house with someone and then you break up, how does that work? Um, is that I'm like is that a legal question as well? Maybe it's I, I think it's a few, was this a few is so legal. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just grab that lawyer in the other room. <laughs> no, no, look, I think if, if you're both on the title and you've got joint ownership, obviously the legal party is kind of when you sell it, how do you sell it, all that kind of stuff, making sure it's a independent kind of sale. But at the end of the day, the the mortgage has to be cleared. You know, agents need to be paid. Whatever's left theoretically gets paid fifty fifty to you. Yeah. Nice. I think it's probably just more complex in terms of what what stage of the relationship are they? Is it a divorce? What's yeah. the divorce settlement? Is it 50-50? That's why I'm like, is it a legal question? But yeah. in the simplest form, it's like if it's all shared, then yeah, it yeah. makes sense that the debts are cleared and you get your cash. Okay, fitty-fitty. Asking for a friend. I'm not, I'm not I'm not planning on breaking up anytime soon, so no. Yeah. Get into the property first. Don't really get worried about it. What are some ways that you can make better money choices just on the daily, would you say? Obviously maybe yeah. five coffees a day is probably not the best money choice by Matt. What about that app that you pay through and then if it's $5.30, it rounds it off to $6. What's that? I can't remember the name of it. And then it gives you the 70 cents into a savings account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something like that. I mean, that's that's good. I feel like that's kind of... Well, it's two questions. There's one, it's like, do we want to save more? And then like little apps like that can help. And then two, it's just kind of like, are we, are we spending more? So I think yeah. it's a mixture of one... I mean, setting some goals. Without a goal, I feel like it's hard to make anything actionable because you kind of think to yourself, what's five bucks, what's 50 bucks, what's 100 bucks? If someone doesn't say, save five grand for the end of the year for a trip, right? Yeah. Makes you accountable. 
Two, then it just comes down to actually going through and seeing where you're at, being accountable, staying on top of the the spending. So day to day, you don't need to look at it, but at the end of a month, reassess and see where you're at. Otherwise, you know, three months, six months slips and you've done all this spending and you're not on top of it. And then maybe just, yeah, find a system that works to track it easy. So whether it is, like I said earlier, like an app or just putting aside half an hour a month to go through your spending, I think that's the stuff that's going to make you accountable and actually help you just get a little bit ahead and not bury your head in the sand and do that whole thing. Yeah. On Yeah, I my mum once said, uh, look after the hundreds and the thousands will come. There you go. It, it all adds up. Yeah, it, it all, all adds up. up. That's, that's what Matt's saying. You know what yeah, saying? So, it all adds up. It all adds up. You know, like you might think, oh, that's just a hundred bucks. You know, well, I yeah. can buy that and that dress. And then you're like, you know what? That's a hundred bucks though. Still a hundred bucks. Yeah. Still buys things. Yeah, it still can go to savings. Yeah. Well, Julian, we better let you go because it is tax time and we know that you are very, very busy. So thank you so much for making the time for this. I'm also going to need to send you my tax. I was about to say, is he going filtering through your receipts that you're giving me? No, I don't have Off any air, Adam and I will continue this. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, thanks so much, guys. Thank you so thank much. You, thanks. Bye. I appreciate it. Chat soon.